Hello and welcome to The Hill is Always Greener, a show where four friends go back in time to talk about the things they love about Sonic the Hedgehog. I did that very intentionally. I'm Cyberlink. I'm Rock the Jake. I'm Game Buddy. And I'm Falero. Good to talk to you guys again. Uh, anything Sonic-y that's happened over the last week? I've, I've got something, but I kind of want to wait a little bit and see what else everybody else has gone. <laughs> Uh, last weekend, I got to see the the new Sonic movie uh, again for the second time in the theater, and it was just as great as the first time. So, nice, Sh- shining endorsement. Go see it as many times as you want because it's still fun. <laughs> if it's still in cinemas, and by the time that we hear this podcast, good, probably point. on digital and Blu-ray, and you can go watch as many times as you want. I guess yeah, you don't have to even go outside. And hopefully we'll have our, <laughs> our dystopian future where we can just insert a memory chip into our head and just watch the movie through our eyeballs that way. <laughs> I mean, least amount of effort. I am looking to get that micro SD slot stirred in the back of my skull, you know. It's a work in progress. So you can finally get the uh, the homebrew version of your brain. Exactly. Uh, mine's going to be a lot more cumbersome. I'm going to have this whole attachment that you got to stick on top where really it could have just been something that you slot in the back of the machine. It's going to be like a 32X <laughs> situation on my head. <laughs> <laughs> It could be worse. You could have to stick discs in your back. Oh, that's true. And that's also a lot more relevant for what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're really setting this up. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of which, and, uh, you know, not to date our recording too much, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, just a couple of days ago, we got an official announcement and all the juicy details of that Sonic Origins collection that they announced uh, what was that late last year. It was a good birthday present. Man. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Yay. So if you guys are ready to hear hot takes about the Sonic Origins trailer, <laughs> which just came out, boy, you are several <laughs> months too late. Um, no. Um, uh, um, you know, they talked about they're not only getting new animation uh, intros and endings for every game. Um, but they're also like restoring um, the Sonic CD one, which, uh, hey, is relevant to today. They're restoring that one back from like the source, doing some cleanup. I know they were talking about because uh, I don't know if like the original film for that probably doesn't exist anymore. I mean, to be fair, like if you've seen the ending sequence of it, like I did recently, it needed a little bit of cleanup. I think it's yeah. uh, aged a little bit. Yes, I think, because uh, I, I, I played, like, s- semi-original hardware um, that even, even um, what was it, the uh, the PC version uh, looks a little rough. I, I have fingers crossed for maybe we'll get a Mania Plus situation to where, I mean, this looks like it's going to do, I would hope, fairly well like most sonic games do that we might get a physical release with some extra stuff my wish list is yeah knuckles and cd and then oh goodness gracious throw my poor girl amy a bone and Something. put her in a opening animation give her something more than what the ga- original games actually gave her which was not much <laughs> but all that to say that i'm very excited uh even with a few questions on you know maybe some uh music issues that we probably won't know until yeah. it comes out but i'm i'm super excited it's it's another one where i am very happy to support the people that are working on it oh man and i didn't even mention that they brought back uh you know um tyson hess and uh the the people that have done animations for you know several sonic projects and um 
friggin' Ian Flynn, like, wrote the, the new animated segments. So it's, I mean, it's, it's my, like, personal Sonic Dream Team is Flynn almost is all working Sonic on these scribe. games. He is the man behind <laughs> Sonic now. That's the way we wanted it to be. At least it's true. we did, because we're not weird people on the internet. Anyway, well, we are. But not. <laughs> we're just a different kind of weird. Yeah, that's true. We're the kind of weird that you can bring to Thanksgiving dinner. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good descriptor. Uh, not sure if that's actually accurate for me. I wouldn't know what I was doing. Oh, <laughs> <Well>, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, yes, you dip the turkey into the mashed potatoes. Yes, I see now. Wait, you don't? Oh, no. <laughs> Did you, you had something to say, Luke? Very, very, very briefly. In the, what has now become traditional, Luke talks about a weird ROM hack he played section. Uh. <laughs> uh, PMEX Remix. It's a bra- Smash Brothers Brawl mod that adds way too many characters. Please get rid of three of them. Uh, <laughs> we we really do not need Elizabeth from Fate EX whatever unnecessary. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, I know several people on my Twitter timeline that would say yes, they absolutely need a character from. I Fate. stand by. I stand by my statement. A thing that I kind of know what it is. Basically, it's a like super expanded version of Smash Brothers Brawl with like a gajillion characters, a gajillion stages, a bunch of extra features and stuff. And, of course, there is way more Sonic content. You've already got Sonic, but it's you've also got playable Tails, Knuckles, Shadow, Silver, and Metal Sonic. And all of them are, like, surprisingly polished, but also they have Jet Set Radio costumes because this is based on, like, an expanded version of Project M, which had a Jet Set Radio suit for oh, Sonic. Oh, yeah. Mm, cool. Neato. And they also have 15 Sonic stages. Well, okay. (laughs) As you want to do. Real quick, Green Hill, Chemical Plant, Hydro City, Hydrosity, not getting into that. Casino (laughs) Night, Sky Sanctuary, Emerald Coast, Radical Highway, Space Colony Arc, Pumpkin Hill, Egg Carrier, Planet Wisp, Starlight Carnival, Sweet Mountain, Tropical Resort, Terminal Velocity. It's a lot. Okay. Those Those sound like some good ones. I, I am just happy that I have a relatively, you know, relatively quality way to make Shadow the Hedgehog fight Vector Man, Sans Undertale, and I don't know, <laughs> Sub-Zero over, like, all in a lethal league fight, because those are all things you can do, and you know what? I respect them for it. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Isn't it nice to have such sonic representation in a Smash environment, you know? It's just yeah. uh, things we can dream of. Um. One day. One day. It's the awkward moment when we don't know who's going to say something. I know. (laughs) Uh, uh, Do you want to know about my Sonic news? I played more Yakuza. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I finished Like a Dragon and uh, the Kaito Files and Lost Judgment. Nice. Sega adjacent. We often bring it up, but I'm just saying they're good games. And Jake, we got to get you on Yakuza Zero sometime We do. Yes, we do. (laughs) I finished Kaito Files, haven't started Like a Dragon yet. I'll get around to it eventually. Oh, it's so good, man. It's real great. It's one of my favorite of the Yakuza series. It's so good. It's a turn-based RPG. Who would have thunk it? Very neat. Um, yeah, sorry, I used my good segue. Um, <laughs> we're talking about Sonic CD today. <laughs> CD's nuts. <laughs> you can't just steal that from the the, the text chat that Luke, <laughs> when Luke said it like weeks ago 
I'm sorry. I'm still very proud of that joke. It was amazing. This is a bit of a CD stravaganza, I think, because maybe we'll do a little more CD in the next few episodes. But for now, we're talking about the game. We are, and this is kind of an important game to me personally because it was the second Sonic game I ever owned. Yeah, I'm almost. I almost don't know where to even start, just because I I didn't realize until I revisited that Sonic CD has kind of climbed up there as a uh, part of like the the original trilogy to me or quadrilogy if you count Sonic and Knuckles. And um, I know it's I know it's got its differences. I know lots of people like didn't play it at all because it required a weird peripheral or you know was on. PC later um but uh, yeah like I when I think of like classic Sonic now CD is right up there yeah absolutely um but it was kind of like a pie in the sky sort of like oh if only I could play that sort of situation for me for the longest time kind of like Knuckles Chaotix where you'd see it like plastered all over Sonic the Comic and Games magazines as this thing that maybe one day I could place my hands upon this magical new enhanced Sonic the Hedgehog game but, uh... Yeah, I, I kind of have a weird story about how I ended up playing this because I think it was mm, it, it it wasn't that late in the 90s. But I remember my mother went to a large uh, garage sale, I think was in like the the gymnasium of like a church or something where like, you know, people like tons of people brought stuff and, you know, had like little tables set up. And I remember, uh, I can't remember if I was even there or if she called me at home and said that they had some Sega thing. And uh, she told me, like, described it. And I guess I, I somehow knew what a Sega CD was, but it was a Sega CD with a copy of Sonic CD oh, wow. that I knew would connect to my, uh, you know, I think I had the... Uh, the Mega Drive 2, or, yeah, the, the Genesis, I can't remember if we got the Mega Drive 1 over here. I can't believe um, you, you're, you're just dropping Mega Drive all over the place now. <laughs> well, <laughs> everybody, I, everybody I know says Mega Drive now, and it's it's easier, you know, uh, Mega CD, etc., but it's easier to differentiate through the models, too, because mm. I think America had, we started with the Mega Drive 2, which was the one I think the hookups were a little different and the Mega CD would go on the side, but on the, the Mega Drive 1, the, the Mega CD would go on the bottom. And so that's yeah. that's what it was, was the Mega CD 2 that would go to the side in that little port. And I think the person wanted like 20 bucks for it, so it makes me think it had to have been not too long after it had come out. And so, yeah, like, that's how I got to play Sonic CD was on the original hardware that, uh, you know, somebody dumped at a garage sale because I guess they, you know, didn't like the, the Mega CD enhanced Echo the Dolphin <laughs> or whatever, whatever <laughs> the was fools, available have they for it. The soundtrack, it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember it, it blew my little mind because it, it uh, you know, you pop that little disc in there. There's the little animation, you know, that says Sega CD the uh with the little sonic and then yeah the the that title screen pops up and doesn't look like almost almost doesn't look like anything i'd seen on a uh on a uh a regular mega drive game before and then yeah um that it it, it was just it was a weird one uh, i remember i remember beating it a at, at least got the bad ending and was able to see like mm -hmm. that animation and just 
I, I was, I, I, it literally worked on me as a child. I was like, yep, they never could have done this without the power of the compact disc system. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, it does kind of remind me of how I first played a Sonic CD because, um, at the time, because it, it wasn't when it first came out. I, I didn't have that kind of money. I, didn't, I could not convince my parents to get me a Mega CD when it first came out. But it must have been around 97 or something. Because I think uh, another, my uncle and cousins had a Mega CD. They had the classic one, the little DVD player one like you mentioned that you put underneath. Mm. And they had, they had such classics as like Chuck Rock 1 and Chuck <laughs> Rock 2, Son of Chuck. And uh, <laughs> they actually had Night Trap. Uh, so that's, oh, uh, wow. oh boy! Oh, snap. That was a really unique experience for me. It's awful now, but to see, you know, to have a, a live action footage you can more or less interact with, it's a load of it's a load of bollocks. Night Trap will never appear on a Nintendo system. <laughs> what Nintendo? But anyway, um, yeah, it was weird. But I was really into it. But Chuck Rock had like animated sequences at the beginning, and I was like, "Oh, oh man! Imagine if they did that for Sonic!" And uh, sure enough, uh, when I finally got my Mega CD, which was a Mega CD too, the the little one you slot on the side, just like Jeremy, uh, got my hands on a second-hand copy of Sonic CD. Who would let that go away? And yeah, that opening sequence to have Sonic animated, not just animated, but animated in a way that actually felt right. Like, because, yeah. God bless, we all love AOSTH and SATAM, but they never quite got Sonic right in that game sort of way. You know, he had his mohawk, he was he was doing like a, a buzzsaw spin attack and everything. But you're seeing this wonderfully animated opening sequence by Toei Animation where Sonic is like real, he has weight, he has proper set of spikes, he's doing a proper spin attack. And there's lovely music in the background. It's like, oh, this is the cartoon Sonic I've always wanted. And it's only for a few seconds. <laughs> it's like for yeah. like 30 seconds or so. Yeah, I think I think people forget that and and you can you can still see these versions, but yeah, the the C D version is cropped with some uh mm -hmm. uh it's got a little frame around it, yeah. <laughs> so you can yeah. shrunk down. It's cropped and it's cropped and framed to still be able to work within like a limited color palette and a you know a lower frame rate. And but still, it it really did blow my mind. And yeah, yeah. It, it is like you said. It feels it feels like Sonic in the game because they they very much like got the the momentum down and you see you see his little footsteps in the grass and he zips through the water and you know jumping up very vertical and yeah it really is like oh yeah this, this is how when I closed my eyes and thought of Sonic as a kid it what he moved like that little <laughs> animation yeah. yeah it's like if you're you know everyone's got this uh, they, when you're driving in, when you're on a car trip with your family, yeah. and you look out the window, and you, some people would imagine like all sorts of like creatures running alongside them. There's like an actual term for it, I can't remember. But I'm always seeing Sonic running, bouncing across through the trees. Yes, and yeah, that's the right Sonic I, I saw. That is, that is one of those things that, because of the connectivity on the internet, was like, oh, you did that too? And yes, the <laughs> yeah. imagining different, uh, you know, imaginary friends running alongside the car. And yeah, <laughs> nine times out of ten, mine was Sonic the Hedgehog doing yep. all kinds of cool tricks. What else is going to go that fast? Unless you're really into Speedy Gonzalez or something. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Luke, you said uh, you said Sonic CD was the second game you you ever owned. So like, what was what was it like when you first played it? Because we're all like kind of sharing our stories on oh, it. <laughs> it. It was a magical experience. Like like I've said before, I did not grow up with a Sega system, so I played all my Sonic games through the Windows ports on like you know Windows ninety five or whatever, and 
CD was the yeah CD was the second game I ever got. I probably would have gotten it for my. I think it might have been a birthday present in uh, like ninety seven or something. That sounds right in my head. But I had never even seen the Sega CD version. But I when I got that disc, I saw that intro sequence and my jaw hit the floor. Like yes, I must have watched it twenty t- like. <laughs> 20 times in just that first month of owning it or whatever. I was captivated by it. And, you know, for what it's worth, like, the game is, you know, solid too. I still remember, like, the first time I actually managed to get to the end and get the good ending. It was like, it really felt like I had that sense of accomplishment. And that was after, you know, months and months of trying. Because I don't think, because I don't think I ever actually got the good ending until, like, maybe four or five months after I got the game. And I was, you know, it was still like one of the only things I was playing over that period because I was just like so obsessed with wanting to, you know, fully beat it and get all my money, well, not my money, but get everything <laughs> I could out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems uh, doing a cursory glance that the, the PC version was pretty comparable. Like there weren't that many changes. In fact, there were a couple of things that, uh, was it the we mentioned the the opening and ending animations are like full frame yeah no they're actually like higher quality yeah they are of surprisingly good quality especially for the time and those uh special stages were also like uh crisper ran at a higher resolution yeah but there was also like this weird there was also some pretty hefty loading times that were not nearly as significant on the sega cd version that's true i was like it didn't occur to me that, oh, no, you would just, like, the time warp was the load and you would just go straight into teleporting or whatever. I just assumed that, oh, no, like, this is normal. I should be waiting 10 <laughs> seconds per time travel to get to the next thing. It takes a long time to travel through time. It's true. <laughs> it did. There was the one other thing about the PC version is because we got that over here as well. And uh, we haven't actually talked about the two soundtracks yet, and I'm sure we're going to get into that. Yeah. But um, but the, the, for some reason, the PC version over here ended up with the US soundtrack, despite us having the Japanese sound and European, I guess, soundtrack for the, for the first time. So it was a bit weird for me swapping between <laughs> swapping between the two um, opening themes from um, Doom Room Cosmic Zoom. Heads up, Jake! It's Sonic Boom. Sonic Boom. <laughs> Sonic, Sonic Boom. Boom. <laughs> it is weird how they called out Jake in that. How did you feel about that when the first time you heard Jake? <laughs> Uh, my, my little heart just soared. <laughs> it's like every time they say heads up, you instinctively duck. <laughs> That's kind of an elephant in the room. And I think mostly we're talking around it because, uh, spoilers, but we're going to do a whole episode about the soundtracks, but yeah, they, they did two almost completely separate soundtracks. Um, that is the funny thing is the, the U S version is, I I kind of incomplete because um, it doesn't have the past versions uh, unique. Those are the same in the uh, the European uh, Japanese soundtrack. So there's a little bit of a dissonance of style. Is it because they're two different kinds of like music? Because it was CD music or for the uh, all the other soundtrack, and the rest were like PCM, like basically Mega Drive tracks. I think. Yeah, that's exactly why. Is because you know since the past tracks were PCM, they were a lot more difficult to replace, so they just left them as is. 
Mm. That's what they should add later on. That for like classic, like US style pass tracks. That'll be the ultimate complete experience. Oh, that would be, that would be super cool. Because <laughs> I mean, not not to spoil my thoughts for future discussions, but I've been re-listening to both soundtracks outside of the game, inside of the game. I think they've both got like super pros and cons, and are very nice to listen to on their own. Yeah, yeah. I believe the story was, according to Spencer Nilsson, that basically the marketing for Sake of America was like, you know, most of these tracks are kind of like dance, techno music. We're not sure this necessarily <clears throat> fits for what we're trying, how we're trying to market the Sega CD. We want so- like a soundtrack that's a little more kind of musically complex, which is why they asked for, you know, a different kind of overall feel to the music, a different theme song, stuff like that. This is weird, because we've had, like, American localization for Sonic before, but we've never had them go in and change the soundtrack, and I suppose they haven't been able to until now. Uh, that's that's interesting to think about, and it's the only time that would happen up until the release of Sonic X in America. No, that, <laughs> that's no, a whole other can of worms. Don't started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, taught them. Now I'm sad. Um, <laughs> no, that I mean that is interesting. Like like every every little localization change, you know, this came up in our Bible discussion. I try and take like my brain back to that to kind of understand where they were coming from, and I can kind of get it. There's definitely more guitar in the American soundtrack, but it there is I kind of like a like a uh, a little bit of a more like soulful jazzy to go with it. Um, there's a lot of like it feels, it feels a little multicultural as well. There's yeah, like lots of different ethnic instruments being used yeah. here. It's quite yeah. cool. Yes, it's it's very neat. And the I, I would describe the uh, the Japanese soundtrack as yeah, kind of a uh, housey, more um, you know, uh, like dance, trancey, that techno, but with lots of samples. That's where a lot of those vocals come yeah. from. I've seen people point out it's like sample sample packs, and you know they had they had a vocalist to work on there as well. But, um, I mean, definitely now I just think they both stand out as being, like, cool, like, emblematic of the time, like, uh, and, and is why they're both, like, incredibly listenable on their own. For sure. But we're probably going to get to that more next episode. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> before, we, before we talk too much about it. <laughs> but that's just there for the people who were only listening to this one. The soundtracks were there, and they were good. <laughs> the weird thing is that that carried over into like even the Gems Collection re-release because that was based on the uh, PC version. So Europe still got the uh, American tracks there. Yeah, that was a bit weird. I don't know why. I was. I felt like I was starting to feel a little bit of withdrawal for the one I heard when I was growing up. I don't blame <laughs> you. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like it's the like I like the US soundtrack, but it was weird because that's the one I heard, I recognized for my first playthrough. Yeah. So I don't know, but we did have some remixes on there. I guess they're a bit they're a bit wild and out there, but you could you could access some versions of the uh, Japanese soundtrack. That's true. That said, one localization choice I don't agree with. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yes, I, I'm fully agreement because, uh, uh, like I said, even my copy that I got from a garage sale was the complete long jewel case that came with the manual for for Sonic CD. And of course, I had the American version. Uh, 
And I open this up and go to read the little, uh, you know, it starts off with how to put, you know, how to hook everything up. And then it has a little blurb about the story of the game, which I, you know, I think they had put in other manuals. And so they describe the, um, you know, the little planet and how it appears over the the magical lake and, um, you know, only at a special time. And then mentions that following Sonic around is a little pink hedgehog. And this manual is trying to tell me her name is Princess Sally. And (laughs) this is only in the American manual. It's not in the European one, which uses the same story text. And let me tell you, I know I got the game sometime after release. But even as a little kid, I knew who Amy Rose was and I knew who Sally Acorn was. And it wasn't like she wasn't in the comics or anything. No, maybe so, in the cartoons, but I don't know what rogue element at Sega of America thought they could get away with this. But <laughs> <laughs> apparently, it, they didn't because the version I had that was fixed. Wow, really? Oh, okay, yeah. By the time it by the time it came out on PC in America, like they. Ah. Had not, they did not, you know, have that anymore. Well, I mean, gaslighting attempt failed, so they were just like, okay, fine. <laughs> I, I can't even, I can't even blame this on like, uh, you know, the most ludicrous conspiracy theories. There was some weird, like, Archie Comics reading Son Alley Shipper in Sega of America because Archie <laughs> Comics had done an adaption of Sonic CD at this point, and Amy and Sally are two completely different characters. So, you know, I was what, eight or nine years old, and they couldn't pull the wool over my eyes. So I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> but they did like rewrite, they, they, this is their own version of the story. So Sonic isn't quite like trying to get away from sally uh, the same way he was amy rose uh they it's almost implied like you know that they've got more of a relationship like you and heavens that i am uh it's a bit weird yeah it's it's very it it was just a step beyond like they they do this in the other games where i mean almost had a separate little story blurb that m- doesn't line up at all with what the Japanese story is. But this was literally taking, like, trying to convince us that Princess Sally is a pink hedgehog in this game. Like, they didn't even change that (laughs) description. And it's like, but no, this is the debut of Amy Rose, a.k.a. Rosie the Rascal. Rosie the Rascal. Which uh, the Japanese manual points out is her nom de plume. And also, this I think this is the first reference we get to where she also likes her fortune-telling cards and, you know, likes a bit of, likes a bit of fun little magic stuff. I don't, I don't see, I don't think we get her, her hammer isn't mentioned until Sonic the Fighters, but yeah, that was always my little headcanon when I learned about that uh, little bit about Amy Rose is that her hammer is just part of the little magic she likes to play with. It's cool. She pulls it. <laughs> she pulls it out of the magic hammer space. <laughs> Amy's just like the the magical girl kind of thing. Yeah, I like that. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Amy's a real cool character. Um, but uh, pretty much her personality, more or less, at this point, was Sonic's admirer. But they that they wanted to play. They wanted to make sure that you understood that Sonic was like, uh, girls, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but he was kind of, you know, he, Sonic is a bit too cool. He's uh, yes, he's cool he's, enough to have uh, admirers that chase after him, but he's too cool to have a girlfriend. <laughs> he's running away from commitment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. the '90s, baby. I can't be tied down. I gotta eat all these chili dogs. There's one true love. It is, it is interesting seeing, you know, how Amy is depicted here initially and that, you know, 
it would be another six years or so before she would really start to come into her own compared to this initial kind of background character phase. Yeah, because in between this and I guess, like we said, Sonic the Fighters introduces some more character. I mean, she she shows up in like some spinoffs. Uh, what is it? Sonic Drift. She's a she's playable. But um, God, that's kind of it. She she doesn't really show up that much until, you know, Sonic Adventure is her big like, I have a character arc now. moment. Yeah, like she she's around in the spinoffs. You know, you see her in like Sonic Game World, Sonic R, stuff like that. But she doesn't really get her time in the spotlight until they give her that campaign adventure. And ever since then, they've never looked back. Although, to be fair, like, the comics were doing all the heavy, heavy lifting for Amy's characterization for a while. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. And I'll interject and say specifically Sonic the comic, because I remember Amy in the Archie comics, and she is a nothing background character yeah. for, <laughs> for probably, what, like, yeah, like, more than a decade. Like, again, does not start developing into her own character until Sonic Adventure, like, forced all this media to, <laughs> to yeah. adapt that version of her i'm sure we're gonna get to it but archie did feel almost like they were obligated to have to bring her in it's like right oh here she is 100 bye amy <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah they even i mean okay uh, it makes me wonder uh, uh, some details about that where they were like doing loose adaptations of stories because if i remember correctly in the archie adaption not only does amy get kidnapped but so does tails and so very much if they just wrote Amy out completely of that story, there would be no change because the, you know, you still have the crux of, oh, we got to go save Tails. Yeah, they got to put a character in there that people care about. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I think there's even some weird, uh, and again, I'm, I'm spoiling a future discussion. There's some weird fourth wall breaking where um, in order to... Uh, <laughs> to find Amy's location to kidnap her, um, Dr. Robotnik steals a bag of fan mail intended for Archie Comics' offices <laughs> and steals uh, Amy Rose's letter to Sonic. So I don't ask me how that makes any sense. It's the time stones, man. Well, the com- that was during that was during the silly times, uh, which were a bit more fun. It kind of was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, the silly times, but that that is one of the first issues that was... Uh, drawn uh are penciled entirely by uh patrick spaziente and so the art at least looks fantastic and then he would rarely ever return <laughs> at least outside of the covers yeah <laughs> the covers in the upcoming mecha madness but getting on a t- comics tangent here save that for later <laughs> yeah a few things um, we're gonna have to save for later in this discussion yeah i know i know <laughs> good thing we got a game to talk about uh well the other i mean look the other debut of a character if you didn't see him plastered on the super cool uh cover artwork is metal sonic oh yeah which i guess mm, let me i probably should have looked at these release dates this this came after released after sonic 2 yes yes okay okay yeah so we had seen we had seen some uh sonic robots before with the uh the the mecha sonic silver sonic in uh both versions of sonic 2 but i mean this is the first proper you know sonic duplicate robot meant to outdo him in every way and 
And Metal Sonic. We have talked about Metal Sonic before yes. uh, in the OVA discussion, but it bears repeating. This boy cool. He's yeah, Metal Sonic absolutely. is cool as hell. <laughs> oh man. I I love I love Metal Sonic. He's he's just so neat. And it, it is you know, like you said, we talked about the OVA, but the the entirety of Metal Sonic's coolness in the OVA is from the few times we see him in this game, and especially the the ending credits animation uh, is again just gets the uh, like transposes what you see of Metal Sonic in the game into like a full realization of oh he he has that jet engine that uh keeps up with sonic and he's just oh man he's gonna get you watch out <laughs> it is actually you know for such a cool character as he is and as iconic as the battle i say with um inverted commas uh, with him in starter speedway and sonic cd is uh he doesn't actually do that much you d- from from his appearance on the cover you'd think he was like recurring as much as say knuckles but he's only he's there like he shows up in Collision Chaos, takes Amy, disappears for ages, and then comes back for uh, the end of Stardust Speedway, and you have a race. So you'd think like maybe they did a bit more, maybe you'd actually get to fight him directly, but no. But it doesn't matter because he's cool. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes that's enough. Yeah, <laughs> I know. The closest you get is the um, is the holograms throughout different stages where he's like, oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The. Uh... <laughs> I couldn't, you know, I played through the game and, and uh, I seeked all those out and made sure to stare at them every time to think, what is the purpose of these? Is this connected to the, the robot generators or is this some kind of like, uh, uh, is this supposed to be some like a discouraging propaganda for these little animals that, oh, <laughs> this guy's going to come get you, Metal Sonic, he's stomping on this little squirrel. <laughs> I mean, like, well, uh, when you break it, they come out, like, all the animals start showing up, right? Yeah. Is that how it yeah. goes? I think so. so. Like, but you get rid of the terror of Metal Sonic, and they're like, oh, finally, we're free. Yeah. And some people are really into getting stepped on by Metal Sonic, but they're not going to have that <laughs> Yeah, maybe it is some kind of, like, hard light technology, because I even noticed in, um, is it uh, Tidal Tempest, that one is underwater, and he is just like swinging his arms around at some like non-anthro fish, and as soon as you break oh it, gosh. they all swim away. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess this really is just you know, Doctor Robotnik is very much just like, oh yes, even the little fishies. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a maybe it's like a Clockwork Orange kind of thing where all the animals are like just strapped and like forced to watch this. Yeah. Sonic freeze them from their terror. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I wonder, uh, uh, oh, you know, I wonder if there was some unused, like, maybe they're trying to fool these poor animals into thinking it's the real Sonic come to get them, but no, that's just (laughs) headcanon expansion there. (laughs) I don't know, Jeremy. We have established that it's a robot that looks exactly like Sonic. Exactly. He even knows his his favorite (laughs) clothes. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Sonic, why are you stopping on that squirrel? But yes, Metal Sonic, very cool. It it takes me by surprise every time because it's in all the art. Uh, He has glowing red eyes, but they are gray in the game. And uh, I keep thinking every time, like, oh, they should fix that. But it was obviously, you know, maybe just a, a stylistic choice for the game. But yeah, every Metal Sonic after this would have those iconic glowing red eyes. 
Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that when I was looking at the art, you know, the Can I Kick It Sonic DJ. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's got the grey eyes there. And I didn't have thought that I was like, oh, is, he, is that meant to imply that he shut his eyes, that they're grey, that the lights went off? Or I don't know. Or even the little front facing sprite in uh, the Stardust Speedway race where he turns and mugs at the camera just like Sonic. He does a little finger wag. He really is Sonic. Yeah, it is interesting because uh, I think now Metal Sonic is they focus less on copying Sonic's personality, but he does have those flourishes in Sonic CD where, yeah, he's doing the little like, I'm Sonic, here I am. Yeah, that's almost like an indication of his future personality, actually, when you think about it, because he thinks he's the real Sonic in yeah. a weird sort of way. Oh, man. I do, before we, we move on, I do love the little uh, detail in the Japanese manual that has a little, whatchamacallit, a little introduction for Amy and Metal Sonic. And Metal Sonic, they give, like, this fictional, um... Like all the tech specs? Yeah, all the tech specs. This is where we get the first mention of Dr. Eggman's uh, custom Lips AI Eggman custom chip, which he has three units installed in the head area. And it just goes on and on. And I I love that. That Like, you know, I see little Dr. Eggman with his goggles on and he's got the big magnification and his tiny soldering iron and he's putting together these custom chips thinking, oh, I'm going to get that Sonic with this one. (laughs) i'm glad even the japanese canon was playing with like weird pseudoscience (laughs) it's great when it comes to robotics inventions dr robotnik what are you gonna call your new main cpu custom chip i'll call it lips (laughs) 125.2 kilograms dry oh yeah (laughs) i love this 250 cc four valve organ fusion engine Dang, that's. Oh I know. I I love that. Even even little. You know, it's got the torque and How the power. How does he drive in Mario Kart? Uh, He's out of control. <laughs> it's it's. I, mean, I I just love it. Cute little details like that. It's just it's just fun. I also like that in the uh, in the manual it says, uh, "He's the ultimate robot." It has the same level of ability as Sonic and can go even faster than Sonic at a moment's notice. It's almost like Robotnik oh. was writing the manual himself, just like, this is faster, he could go faster. My original Sonic <laughs> can go faster than Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what <laughs> Do not steal my OC lips. <laughs> and then he teleports behind Sonic and says, nothing personnel, kid. <laughs> he's literally cold steel. Um... I can be your angle or your devil. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Yep. I love that. Uh, Yeah, that is. I do. That that does. That simultaneously gives, like, a great character glimpse into Eggman to where, you know, somebody on the outside would be like, oh, you just made a robot to copy Sonic. And, you know, in his mind, he's like, no, no, no. This one's better than the real Sonic. You'll see. (laughs) He faster have energy shield. Boom. We spent a lot of time talking about these characters, but we haven't actually got into, like, the development of the game itself and, like, where it came from. I mean, it's good to get the cool stuff out of the way, but let's get to the boring stuff. No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a weird case for this one, because basically my understanding is that, you know, Sonic 1 comes out, it's a huge hit. A sequel, they're going to do, they're going to do a sequel, obviously. Like, that was never a question. But at the time... Yuji Naka was not super happy with the things way things were being run at Sega Japan. And he's just like, you know what? I'm going to take a team of folks from Sonic Team. I'm going to move to America and we're going to develop Sonic 2 and Sonic 3 over there with STI. And meanwhile, Naoto Oshima 
he stays behind in Japan and they're like, well, we need a Sonic game for CD. You're director now. Congratulations. Yeah, I think they were going to be like, uh, should we do another like special edition? Because they were doing a lot of those yeah. on the Mega CD, just taking the original version and upgrading them with fancier music and stuff. But they, then they just decided, let's make a whole new game. And now Toshima's like, well, you, Naka-san's the guy who knows how to make this. I'll just use, use his code and make something fun. <laughs> and that's, kind of, that's more or less it. Pretty much. Like, the whole thing is built on Sonic 1 as a base. And then they, apparently they didn't have nearly as much crunch as, like, this is one case where, you know, there wasn't as much crunch, uh, because they had a lot, he was saying, he's quoted saying, like, we we had a lot of time to work on this, unlike them working on Sonic 2. So they got to do lots of really strange stuff, and if you've ever seen, like, the concept art that uh, Naoto Oshima did for, like, the original Sonic, where were these really weird, strange, fantastical, dreamlike environments, you sort of get a vibe of that here. Yeah. Like, not, not that he was the main art director, there was someone else working on that, but it definitely feels like this is the weird artsy Sonic game. Not necessarily the most functional Sonic game, but definitely weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now that you now that you bring that up, it is funny to think of the famous uh, Sonic One beta that has the UFOs in the background, and then yeah. to come to this one where that's the entire special stage is these weird UFOs floating around in these very psychedelic uh, arenas. Yeah, you gotta you gotta chase after the UFOs. You have to be the UFO catcher. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that is that is one thing. Like I always, uh, you know, assumed the the special stages were kind of a diegetic, like uh, you know, even in the Bible described, like if they're zones of confusion, or you yeah. know, the the chaos emeralds create these bent time and space to you know that they they reside in, and then this one is just like yeah, it's just kind of weird, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've got different backgrounds every time, but they're all really cool. <laughs> I love the look at these strange worlds that you get a glimpse of. I love the 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 time attack selection has like it kind of themes them out, and it's like, oh yeah, that is this background. You know, you can really appreciate them when you're not trying to, uh, uh, you know, you're not counting down and trying not to fall into that god awful water that eats my seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know, you can actually, yeah, you can really appreciate the art direction when you're not suffering eternally for <laughs> <laughs> special stages. Thank goodness for the remake version with the ability to be able to exit out when you've just about to run uh, yes. out of time. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have got all the time stones on my recent playthrough without that. That or the, uh, yes, save states if you're <laughs> maybe loaded that original version to something else. This is because these these are strange. This is like early Sonic 3D, but it's like Super Mario Kart SNES style. Um, the Mode Seven. Kind Mode of Seven. Thing. That's the fella. Yeah, that's sort of like strange 2D 3D. I think I may have even saw where the original concept may have been a Mode Seven like multi layers of uh, Sonic One style special stages. Oh my goodness! And they once they saw like Mario Kart came out, they were like, well let's do something different using the same <laughs> the same technique but uh yeah this weird pseudo 3d um let me tell you if you're using a d-pad uh thumb killing special stages because ouch those uh, <laughs> those eight directions or whatever are uh kind of hard to do i think the uh the the remakes like you said do it's not true analog control but you can use the analog sticks because uh man maybe my old man hands are just ready to turn to 
dust, but <laughs> literally <laughs> had to like take a walk and shake my joints out after finishing those special stages. They are a bit of a nightmare. They are a little some... bit. Yeah, if you want to get your daily curses out, that's going to be it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some of that. But yeah, to, to all that to go into how this has a very, like you said, coming off of Sonic 1, which is, there. there's a little bit of verticality. Like, I think we would see the definite, like, speed, uh, what would you call them, speed levels, like the, the high route, the medium route, the, you know, the low route. Um, and there's some of that in Sonic CD, but there's a lot of vertical exploration with, um, still has, uh, places to go like speedy. Like, I think it's built around that, especially with the time travel system. But yeah, there is a lot of like going up and down and looking for different items and routes and secrets and stuff like that. It's almost yeah. weird to have a 10, like a 10 minute time limit on a level where you're supposed to like by design, look around and try and find ways to uh to try and find like all the things that you need to get to get the proper ending <laughs> yeah it, it is it is sort of interesting like you know that was a very intentional choice on the development team's part and it's interesting to see kind of that divergent uh perspective on how to progress that formula like sonic 2 was very much built on you know levels that were built around main building and maintaining that speed that you know the first one was so heavily marketed around while CD was this kind of slower paced, more explorational kind of format. You could say that Sonic CD is like the alternate future where they decided to go in that other direction uh-huh. that Sonic 1 was going in, where it was a lot more <laughs> about methodical exploring and getting around the stages and playing around with the stages. Uh, whereas, yeah, like you said, Sonic 2 is more streamlined. Yeah, it honestly reminds me a lot of the Master System games. A little bit. Uh yeah. Even down to the mu- even down to the music if you think of one of the tracks. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> it's interesting to to hear you guys talk about like exploring the stages so much and I I can admit maybe I just played the game wrong in a sense. <laughs> but I Did you just play it all the way through? Did you just I, I yeah, through? I I just kind of went right through. Mo- for me most of the stages ended within like one and a half to two minutes. Um <laughs> you played it like a Sonic game. Who <laughs> <laughs> um but I and, and like I was also going to say like again, I maybe I played it wrong, but uh, it was interesting that like it seemed like some levels also kind of forced you to like go backwards in the level. You know, for like a side scrolling platformer, you're so used to going r- uh, left to right and for me, it seemed like I would progress in some levels if I went right to left to like, like, I don't know. It just seemed like some of the pathways were built that way. Yeah. Metallic Madness, for sure. That's got my elements of yeah. Master System scrap brain in it. Amazing. There is a specific point in Metallic Madness uh, Act 2 where it, no matter what section you get to, it's like, nope, now you got to turn around and go back. And there, there's even parts where it's like, okay, well, I dropped down one level, let me keep going right. And it's still like, nope, go back, go back. And it's, it's that <laughs> last section. I even, now, I, I think I've shared with you all privately that I have uh, severe brain worms when it comes to revisiting some of these games where we were just like, yeah, let's just go do a, a casual playthrough and revisit it. And I decided to boot up my PlayStation 3 copy and get all the trophies. So I was looking up speedrun strats to get that time attack mode down. And oh, that man. is one of those to where every 
run I looked up was at the end of Metallic Madness. It's like, nope, you have to stop and go through the little shrinky section. There's no way to skip it without a glitch. And, and I, yeah, I, I, there is definitely a, your mileage may vary whether you like that, especially in a Sonic game. I think it works for the most part in this one where it's just a different way. Um, you know, I think a lot of people get stuck on the marketing for the the 2D Sonic games where they were like, yes, they are very fast, but they were very much about learning these level layouts so you could go through them super fast. But also, like, the first two or three times through it, you're going to be like, okay, there's a trap here, blah, blah, blah. It's, it is it is about some puzzle platforming in addition to going fast. Yeah. And there's just a more focus on a some of the exploration here but then i do think the game facilitates that by having the multiple endings and even multiple ways to get the true good ending i i kind of love that about this game yeah but at the same time you know while it does have this heavier emphasis on exploration i feel like the level design actually does suffer a bit as a result between that and (laughs) the main gimmick of the game which is the time travel function as a yeah, result, we haven't got like, to that yet. <laughs> yeah, but as, as a result of that, you know, I feel like kind of the platform placement and some of the layout overall is a bit more kind of all over the place. And you know, even you know, yeah. you look at some of the past and future sections where some of the rings are literally impossible to get because they're just in the middle of a wall because of time travel or whatever. I don't know. It's it's a weird choice, I think. Uh, for all the positive things I did just say, I will immediately come out and say that even in the 2011 remake, which is wonderful, I did time travel and start a speedway and immediately die because I ended up in a wall. <laughs> and um, without an ounce of regret or hesitation, I would cut Wacky Workbench out of this game completely. Oh, yeah. Without <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. Oh. I enjoy bouncing, but not that much. Uh, I hate that. I hate it, it sucks. <laughs> it's the, the, the easiest way, again, like I was saying, I was looking up speed runs, and the easiest way to do it is to literally go as slow as possible and to travel on the floating platforms on the bottom of the stage and that ain't fun that that is not that's not fun i get what they were going for but it doesn't work (laughs) yeah when you're talking about like the weird structure of these levels you compare this to the other sequel so to speak sonic 2 and uh you'll see like very precise locations for springs and like really thought out like all of the structure all the levels and you get to like collision chaos and there's like this whole area of like red springs laid out across the landscape red springs (laughs) bumpers like (laughs) pinball flippers yes it it just feels a lot of times like there is not a lot of rhyme or reason to a lot of the layout placement yeah yeah, but say what you will, it's not false advertising in the title. That is collision chaos. Yeah, <laughs> there and there are a lot of um, there are a lot of fun, like really pretty gimmicks in collision chaos. Like r- directly above those red springs is a cool, like three D rotating, uh, uh, you know, big tube with platforms on it. But I, you're bouncing around so much you can hardly see it. So we 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 mentioned earlier that like the way that I played it was. <laughs> the way Chris said it was like I played it like a Sonic game. <laughs> um, I, I was telling I was telling Luke before we started the show. So I I recently played through Sonic CD all the way for the first time in preparation for this show for this episode and and I played the Christian Whitehead version as well. You should. Yes, <laughs> and uh, honestly, I 
I, like, like I said to him, I want to, you know, keep things positive on this podcast, but I did not walk away from this game with the same kind of fuzzy Sonic feeling that I walk away from other games with. And like some of the, some of the notes, like there's things that we've already said, like the, the level designs and layouts in general just seem not as concretely thought through. And Mm -hmm. some of them are, some of them can be so frustrating. Like, like, like Jeremy said, uh, wacky workbench. Can we just get rid of that? It's, oh, it's an eyesore. Um, <laughs> it's bad. The, the the backgrounds, the background arts for a lot of the levels is like so busy, so much, like so many small patterns that just repeat over and over and over. And it like, it it's a good thing I can focus on Sonic because otherwise it'd be like the ultimate eyesore. <laughs> and, mm. um, and the final level, Metallic Madness 3, where it has the bottomless pit, I saw you talking about that and it was right before I had gotten to that and I, <laughs> I totally understood. I found I, I spent maybe 20 minutes trying to figure out the best way to cheese it and it is there but I, yes running up to that and not being ready for it, that is just a, a really cheap uh, uh, area to put in right before your, your final boss and a half. It's weird because there aren't as many bottomless pits in this game. In fact, there's barely any. Yeah. Like, yeah. Up to that point, and then they're just like, "Hey, guess what? Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> Basically, uh, oh that is gosh. interesting to bring up because um, I think this will go into the the bosses we can talk about next. But I, you know, I didn't think about that. Uh, that may have been a case of you know with the power of the Mega CD um, that they had more. Uh, layers and technology to work with putting detail into these levels but that maybe it was a a case of you could but should you have and yeah i i I could see how some of those could be uh busy um especially um god the one that pops to my mind is um stardust speedway the past which you have lots of hanging vines and also the uh the gimmick where you you flip the little placards and that changes the um the places you can step on um certain platforms oh yeah i, I yeah. could see that getting lost in the background uh, especially if you were coming into this like you know fresh or haven't played it in you know since it came out yeah. Um, yeah, that is that I, I, I see how that could that could uh, drastically uh, alter someone's opinion on um, on that. Actually, I, did, I forgot to mention my history with Sonic CD. So I'll just real quick. Like Luke, never had a Sega system growing up. Um, the first real exposure I had to Sonic CD was through the Mega Collection, where I watched that opening cutscene like a bazillion times because it just looks so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> First time I really got to play Sonic CD was through the Gems collection years later. And I only played a couple levels because uh, I, I saw Sonic the Fighters and I wanted to play that more. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb brain. Uh, so recently it was the first time that I really sunk my teeth into the game. So all that to say, going into time travel, it's a back and forth for me because with the way that I played the game, where, like I said, I beat most levels within like one and a half to two minutes. Um, I like the fact that in that sense, if you play that way, the levels are shorter. But if you like bounce between present, past and future, you kind of have like new ways to traverse the level. And like there's there's just different ways of playing the level. And it's a lot of variety. But at the same time, it also makes me wonder like, what's really the point of the time travel mechanic? Mm. 
Yeah, I um, this is interesting because I'm immediately having flashbacks to, I think, uh, something I said during our discussion of the adventure games is the way my brain works is I have fully come to terms that my the way I think about these older Sonic games, I can never divorce that feeling of, oh, well, I know these games front to backwards, even the ones like Sonic CD that I, you know, was super not like super into until um like later versions and it it is hard for me to divorce that uh call it nostalgia call it call it what you will to to see this out uh, an outside perspective of like you said jake somebody who had not gone through like the whole game until recently and yeah i i can definitely see the game itself does a poor job of explaining what the point of the time travel is like i think it's it's touched upon in the manuals the the time travel has nothing to do with getting the time stones because you just get 50 rings and make it to the end get to the special stage yeah um but l- like i like i said earlier there are actually two ways to get the true ending you either co- collect the time stones or if you travel back to the past in the first two acts and destroy the robot generator and the metal sonic hologram and do that in all of the acts by the time you make it to metallic madness you achieve the true ending because you have undone all of robotnik's plan to transform the uh the little planet Jeremy, you're technically right, but I hate to break this to you. You don't have to break the Metal Sonic hologram. Okay, well, you do to get the trophy in the PS3 version, yeah. and I did because, like I said, Fair I'm enough. a sick, sick man who has nothing better to do in his life. <laughs> so I did. Oh, man. <laughs> You do only have to break the robot generators, but it's like, oh, I I just imagine Jeremy's face just goes completely red, just like, well, uh, (laughs) that's probably what I worked hard for this. Don't take it. (laughs) It's on my PSN profile forever now. Oh, I did this. All that to say that from a like a story perspective, I love that. I think that's amazing. That is a cool gimmick that. You know, in fiction, uh, Sonic, you know, said to hell with the time stones. I'll just do it the hard way. And, you know, undoes <laughs> all of Eggman's work. But uh, I, like I said, I'm sure it touches on it in the manuals. I could bring that up. But yeah, just playing through the game, it does not explain that that is something you can do. And also makes yeah. it weird to like you can visit the bad future versions like before destroying the robot generator but there's no real uh there's no gameplay reason to do it it's just purely for aesthetics yeah and even then you still see the the either the bad or the good future in act three and so yeah i can see where you're coming from that it's kind of like yeah here's some cool concepts but also they're not don't seem to be entirely fleshed out yeah i think it's a case of like it's weird there's a lot of um artistic choice over function in this and i think what they've decided is like it's a weird environmental storytelling like if you go to the future and see how terrible it is you'd be like oh no better go back and fix it like i think that's maybe it but yeah it's a lot of effort for something that's ultimately not really necessary (laughs) but i do like it (laughs) yeah i would argue that like 
you know, it's reached a point where anytime I play the game, anytime I touch a future sign is basically a hindrance in my mind because it's like, yeah. okay, I need to either find a past sign or find a way to get rid of the future thing so I don't go to the future because I'm busy trying to go back to the past and hit the robot generator or whatever. Maybe it's a giant metaphor for nostalgia. It's, That's very relatable because we all, like, whenever we all get a glimpse of the future, we're like, no, 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 take me back, take me back before we're doing this podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I do this love... game is deeper than I realized. <laughs> <laughs> they're playing the long game it is just my my own headcanon running wild but i do love the design and definitely goes to your aesthetics over function uh point um i do love that the future the good future and the bad future are so obviously like here is the you know the evil Eggman bad future where he has just destroyed everything organic but then the good future uh, in most of the levels, it also is not like completely devoid of technology. No. Like the past is always like, um, you know, you would say like this, this prehistoric, like, uh, you know, before civilization in most uh, most areas. But yeah, the good future is not devoid of technology. It, you know, a funny way is it's like that, that meme where it's like, says, oh, the future if X didn't happen. And it's like a technological utopia. It looks like that one Doctor Who episode um, where... <laughs> everything's you know bright and chrome but like everything is chrome in the future yeah <laughs> um but i do like that design that like they weren't necessarily like well oh a good future would be no technology at all um it's like no it's which it's, is interesting for sonic actually when you since considering how like um environmentalist it is yeah <laughs> it's uh, it, it maybe maybe they were trying to get across a like a responsible you know in harmony of development of, yeah. of this technological future and not like the Eggman who is very much like a you know, has no concern for the the environment or the local flora or flana because the little planet itself is almost like this little, you know, almost like this little protected, pristine. It's literally a tiny planet like uh, that that just shows up every once in a while. It's funny because I was playing like that in front of Jackie, and when when we got to the good future on like Act Three, sorry, Zone Three, I guess as it's called in here, because everything has to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, palm tree panic, yeah. The she's like, huh? Well, the palm trees are still mechanical. I'm like, yeah, they are. Let's go. Well, why did they feel the need to replace the trees? Is it like the Simpsons of in memory of a real tree? Yes, yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> that's not <laughs> great. <laughs> in fact, there are also cities here. Well, who's living there? Who lives on the little planet? Yeah, I mean, stuff we to see, think about. We we do <laughs> see little animals. There are also lots of uh, lots of big flowers that dance around. Maybe maybe there's they grow up and do flowers that can talk. Who knows? Yeah, there's a moment you leave, they just get they, their roots get out of the ground and they start walking off, put on a hat and a carrier suit. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, time to go to work. Uh, I do want to say, Jeremy, I uh, thank you for explaining. Um, because I actually, I did read about it or see something about it recently, but uh, thank you for explaining like the fact of like going to the past to destroy the generators. Because uh, I forgot that that's how you actually do that. You go to the past to do that. So it, it does, before people type in the comments, like Jake doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, well, it's it's one of those things that there is something to be said at the time this game came out. 
They came with manuals that explained some of these concepts, but there is also, you, you have to have that conversation that there is a balance between, uh, you know, a modern game that has an hour-long tutorial with lots of text boxes that explain everything every button does, um, which is kind of, is necessary for some modern games, and also games that just fail to explain, like, their core tenets. Um, which, which, like we've already said, Sonic was about. It's it's puzzle platforming. It's going fast. And although I like uh, a lot of what the levels do in Sonic CD, it is hard to come off of Sonic One or it, you know, especially Sonic Two, like we said, which is such a refinement of that. Uh, you know, go quick through these environments and find different routes, and is like very different. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a perfect example of yeah. If if you haven't played this game a hundred times or or it, just dropping into it, then yes, it can be a confusing one. But it kind of makes sense for the one that isn't the main. Like, even though we consider it one of the original trilogies, so to speak, uh, it's not even like a, a main Sonic title because it's released for the side console essentially. Even though they wanted the Mega CD to do well, it was kind of the weird one. And uh, this is the weird Sonic game, so in a way, it kind of fits that they can be more experimental with it. It's we- there is an alternate future out there where the Christian Whitehead was set to make a more accessible remake of knuckles chaotix instead of sonic cd because that's about the same that's about the same uh uh you know level of obscurity sonic cd cd was for uh, a long time until we got some alternate versions I don't know if that's a good future or a bad future. Um, <laughs> I've played some of Chaotix. It's not that bad, but I ain't going to bat for it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to the Chaotix episode. But uh, but it, it is funny that time travel is a weird thing that they've worked in here, and they went all in with it. Yeah. But to think it was something that nearly happened with Sonic 2. That, that was the original, like, we found out not too long ago, at least a few years ago at the very least, that uh, Sonic 2 was originally going to have a time travel concept to it. Yeah, I think this was a much more kind of... I think the Sonic 2 time travel concept was more just in a story concept and not like as deep as Sonic CD goes with it. But it's still interesting to see kind of that parallel development of ideas, you know. And to to their credit, they at least do give you incentive to do a little bit of time travel, like even beyond just uh, getting the good ending. Going back in time and destroying the robot generators does remove all of the enemies from the zones so it's like you have you have incentive to go back and go get rid of that so that you have an easier time getting through the rest of the level okay i was actually going to springboard off of this technical talk to talk about the the bosses which are (laughs) yes also really fun to look at but kind of crappy i mean not crappy and like a they're they're just very simple (laughs) so pretty easy (laughs) i give them credit a lot of them are like fairly unconventional compared to most uh sonic bosses just in the way that you battle them or yeah stuff like that like yeah the one that sticks out in my mind as a really kind of different thing even beyond just the race fight of metal sonic is the egg conveyor in quartz quadrant like that's yes, that's that's my favorite i, I had yeah, that's a that. really interesting concept for a boss yeah yeah using sonic speed to beat him essentially uh, just like burning, burning away the platform he's on with friction. Oh, it's so cool. Uh, it's very cool. So, I, I, I really, actually, I enjoyed the creativity behind the different ways that you beat Robotnik in this game. I, which is, <laughs> it's funny to say that after Jeremy said, like they're kind of crappy, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but again, like you know, like that just shows the different perspectives that we have on this podcast and how we 
consume the media in different ways. I like I said, uh, Quartz Quadrant Three. That boss fight is my favorite as far as like the creative way of defeating Robotic, where you just run and you dodge those like spike bombs, and it grinds away at his platform. And um, the the second level collision chaos. Um, not a fan of that boss fight with like the just. If you're really good as pinball, you're gonna have a great time. <laughs> I I've I saw someone do it in like less than 15 seconds, and I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah, <laughs> I actually got really lucky my playthrough just now. I was like, oh, I'm gonna spend ages on this, and then I just shot right up and and hit him. I was yeah. like, well yeah. done. Yeah, <laughs> but like, luck. Yeah, but like even when you finally get past all the pinball nonsense and like actually get up to him, I like that. Like all you have to do is bump into him three times and. I don't know. I just I appreciate like the different ways of of fighting Robotnik in this game, and then also it's it's interesting that it seems like for the most part they went for like you just hit them three times each time and then that's it. Yeah, no eight times this time. No, just like regular. No, it's not just a variation of the Eggomatic with something at the bottom. Yeah, and you hit him eight times. It's it's more or less once you get through his defense, then he's dead. <laughs> I meant to ask that at the beginning because for some reason I thought if you managed to create a good future either in both acts or the the time stone um did that lower the amount of hits you had to get on eggman but no it sounds like no that it is just a lower amount of hits no no no. yeah it's still it's three every time or okay it's funny to me because when i first saw like screenshots in stc of the first boss I was like, oh, here's another Eggman mecha, kind of. That's kind of cool. I wonder what kind of chiromatic battle that's going to be. Now you just dodge the springs and you hit him a couple times and he's gone. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> it, it requires some thinking there. You've got to like be precise. Uh, I really like that. Like the the Tidal Tempest boss where he's got like a, a shield of air bubbles around him. Oh, yeah. To, and you just <laughs> use that to keep yourself alive. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> I like that one a lot. I would that say cool. the first one isn't super clever, if only because... There's an invincibility power up you can get along the way to reach him, and you can like oh, <laughs> you can rush, yeah, you can rush past him and just take him out before you even run out of invincibility. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Our, I'm I'm coming I'm coming around it, looking at it from that perspective of these are more about uh, getting through Eggman's gimmicks than it is about uh, you know the precision dodging and and getting those six to eight hits in. But it is a bit of a bummer that the last one is so easy. Yeah, I I was expecting something more. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's even why they throw in the mini boss with the uh, the little lightning bugs. Oh, maybe gosh, the it's, bugs suck. It's, it's a weird boss where it gets easier the long like the longer it goes. Yeah. Because he's just, yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of cool because he's like running out of defenses and he starts like chucking these like things at you and in the end he's just like uh 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 pogo stick boing boing <laughs> yeah he does the uh he does the bowser's mario world like desperate final attack yeah <laughs> pogo stick <laughs> oh yeah i do i do like that that little mini lightning bug boss does gets fully realized in sonic mania where you defeat the three little ones and then the big one comes out <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah all right i'm coming around on i'm coming around on these eggman bosses <laughs> you just have to be creative you have to know it's, it's all creative yeah it might not be the best game but it's a fun experience <laughs> it's, it's a game that has a lot of really interesting ideas even if they don't all work right yeah. can i do say that i love the not only the promo artwork for the uh the dr robotnik but also his in-game sprites which are for the most part just look like 
you know, Sonic one and two, uh, but some like give him details. Uh, like you can see his big old teeth, especially in the promo artwork. And there's some, uh, some views in the game where, uh, he just looks, uh, you know, just even more menacing, like through the power of the CD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does have a little bit more like definition to him. Mm-hmm. I just like that. It's a little bit of a spooky one. I kind of like that. Yeah. And, then, and he looks and he looks somewhat menacing at the in the bad ending, even if he's escaping with a time stone. Yeah. Uh, I always liked that as a kid because I don't think I got the good ending in the original uh, version. I, I like that the, the bad ending is still okay because Sonic just hucks a rock at him and <laughs> he keeps yeah. him from getting away with the time stones. <laughs> I actually, like, this is such a small thing, but like, I... I as a concept, I love the idea of him spin dashing so that he gets enough velocity to throw that rock at him. And I kind of wish that, like, somehow that could be a mechanic in a, in a later game. <laughs> yeah, they they really use Sonic Speed very well in these animations. Yeah. It's such a well-realized uh, application of those skills. I, they do give us the... Uh the the Eggman's face shaped cloud to is kind of a cart <laughs> a cartoony bit that like oh we got him and not like a you know Sonic threw that rock like straight through his skull <laughs> <laughs> and then Eggman's face appears up in the sky at the uh, end yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bad da, 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 da. ending or was it <laughs> Sonic took a life is that a good ending or a bad ending we'll let you decide oh it's the Batman conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes to that yeah <laughs> oh goodness there was going to be a there was going to be a level that almost that we that i don't know if got past the point of having like some sprites made uh there was a level that she's only known as r2 yeah tight. yeah r2 was basically going to be a level we don't know a lot about um, we just know that there's like we can see a potential boss here version of Robotnik here and one of the Badniks, but we did get to see a glimpse of it in the uh, the ending animation in the uh, credits scene. We see Sonic running across this dilapidated space, and this ant lion Badnik comes out. Yeah. Uh, so the, this idea must have been sent to oh, Toei okay. Animation like early on in the process. Yeah, like it always struck me that you know. That enemy showed up in the ending, but there was never anything like that in the game itself. And, you know, this helps explain that. Yeah, I guess I'd never I'd never considered that, like, you know, that's a an awesome little sequence. But, yeah, that's obviously a area that's not in the game. And, yeah, an enemy that is not in the game. I did not know that. (laughs) The stuff we nearly got. It is, you know, this sort of like leans into the fact that this was like based on Sonic 1 more than anything else. Because it still has the Sonic 1 sprite more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the levels do feel like updated versions of Sonic 1 levels like Palm Tree Panic, Green Hill, Tidal Tempest's Labyrinth and so forth. And my one my one personal nitpick is I do not like the jump sound effect sound in this one either. It sounds That's too... true. Yeah, I'm, I'm not as much of a fan of it, but I also, my <laughs> other nitpick is that you know the original version spin dash animation not as good no it's not even a spin dash oh my goodness i forgot about it yeah you, of course you forgot about it because they fixed that in the t- the uh remake it's one of the first things i remember looking up uh uh mods for the original version which there are there are some fan mods and that was one of like the first things i saw the history of was people like please put the real spin dash in here this one looks bad and <laughs> <laughs> 
It is like Spin Dash if it was developed by someone else who had the idea but didn't know quite how to implement it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that said, however, the super peel out is still very cool. Yes. yes. It's cool. I, I just it. don't so know cool. what function it serves a lot of the time. Uh, I believe it's actually a little bit faster than charging up the Spin Dash. It is, yeah. I see. It's just for it's if you, if you want to run and make yourself exposed to uh, any obstacles that are coming up, but you know, it's great for um uh if you're you're at the bottom of a hill and you want to try and like ramp you know jump at the top of it to do like a super long jump, the peel out is the, see, the yeah. go-to move. So it it does have some it, it does have some some uh mechanical purpose. And I can give an example of how the the super peel out helped me out a couple times. Like like a couple times was if I was at the bottom of a ramp and I had to like if I wanted to get somewhere faster. But um, admittedly during the uh, the Metal Sonic battle, I near the end I, I had a little bit of trouble with just some of the obstacles and I had to kind of restart that a few times. Um, and so whenever robotic would get close to me, I would either just like try to you know do the thing where you push harder on right even though it doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> It feels like it does. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's enough. Yep. Or I would remember that the about the super peel out and do that and I would like get some distance between me and Robotnik. So it, it's it's definitely it looks cool and at least for my playthrough it was very functional. I, I do fair. I do like how it was the first um you know, before they would get to uh, like some of the animation flourishes in like Sonic Three and Knuckles, it is the first like okay, but what is the ultimate Sonic is going fast as possible, uh, especially after Sonic One, and it is like mm-hmm. man, his legs aren't even making a shape anymore. It's it's super cool. I love it. I, I like that it's an it's an option that they drop into uh, like uh, Mania and uh, other other like fan mods. Sometimes the the first thing is like it got to put that super peel out in there it just looks cool yeah um <laughs> i do feel like there's one feature we forgot to mention that not not everyone knows about but it's worth mentioning uh if it's a function that sonic can do if you decide to stick around for three minutes he just pieces <laughs> out of the level and you get game oh over. yeah <laughs> a full game over you lose all your lives yeah <laughs> You have failed in your partnership with Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Sonic has no time. He has no patience for people who are not, you know, taking that initiative. I remember talking about in the Sonic Bibles episode where we were saying, like, I like the idea that Sonic is, like, aware of the fact that he's being controlled yeah. by someone and judges you on sort of stuff, uh, uh, like, on your play style. And if you just decide to, like, leave the room for a few minutes, he's like, all right, this isn't happening. Well, bye. <laughs> <laughs> That I, that is something we kind of glossed over is that I think some of the arcade games we talked about predate this, but this is like the first true blue Sonic game that Sonic has a voice. Um, he only has a, a f- tiny few lines of dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's liter. I think it's literally just like yes when he gets a life, and then I'm out of here when he jumps off. I think that's it. I think so. And um, if, there might if I'm looking more. That's hidden in the sound files, but I'm not sure. I I thought there might be. All right, I'm out of here. Yes, yeah. But if my um, you know, if if my the sources I'm looking at are correct, it is um Masato Nishimura, uh, who does the um uh Sonic's voice in this game. Uh, I mean he's a he's a guy that works at Sega. Um, says he he was the landscape designer on the Sonic CD. <laughs> He does sound because Sonic sounds very high pitched. Yeah. It's a bit weird. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's for for a single line, it's fine. Like it is, it is someone. Um, it, it, it has an accent to it because it's an you know it's an English by a, a, J- a Japanese speaking person. But I mean, I wouldn't say it's inappropriate. It's just it's weird. It sounds like they obvi- they were just like, hey, come in here and record this real quick. Maybe we'll use <laughs> it, and they ended up putting it in there. Because um, yeah, looking at uh, Amy Rose has like uh, what two voice samples? She giggles and then shrieks when Metal Sonic gets her. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which is apparently uh, uh, Lynn Harris, who, um, I mean, has been in a, a bunch of video games, but like started way, way back on. Apparently she was uh, was uh, Rebecca Chambers in the original Resident Evil. He seems to have been bitten by a poisonous snake, but the size of the wound is abnormally large. Oh, my oh, goodness. Wow. <laughs> Looks like she was also in Shinmu. Um, yeah, Shinmu I remember she was well. somebody in Shinmu. Yeah, uh, apparently she may have directed the original version, uh, voice uh, version of Resident Evil, which, I mean, everybody knows that one, that's for sure. (laughs) No, don't open that door. Um, I just want to, it is interesting though that having Sonic, like, say yes when you get an extra life, because it's weird not having the jingle there, and that kind of like brings me to the fact that there are some, like... The drowning music is not in this Sonic game, by the way. Uh, it is replaced by a little... And I guess that's partly to do with the CD music. I think it's entirely to do with the CD music, is that, you know, they didn't want to have to, like, load up a new track every single time and, you know, have the music restart whenever the jingle finished. So you just get this little bubbling sound effect, this... Which isn't quite as anxiety-inducing. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> it's also, I found it, unfortunately, easy to easier to miss because it doesn't just trigger that anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm drowning. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, but, they, uh, but at the same time, they did introduce jingles for the... Or a jingle for the speed shoes, like and we're used invisibility, to the yeah. jingle for invisibility. Well, the invisibility always has a jingle. Kind That's of true. But this is the first time it had like speed shoes jingle instead of like speeding up the music, which again probably due to the CD situation. Yeah, absolutely. This preceded an adventure, so that became a re- recurring thing when the music was all like uh, recorded ahead of time. I guess. Like you even you even go back to like you know generations where they basically fake it where. They'll start a new track that is the music sped up, but it's still technically a separate music track. Mm-hmm. So a few, a few, uh, at least one standard, I should say, of the Sonic franchise set here. Yeah, you know, it's funny we talk about like the Sonic jumping off the station because there's a lot of like weird hidden stuff in this game. Oh my god, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know there was an in- instant death combination. <laughs> oh wow, I didn't know about <laughs> I didn't know that. that. Either, actually. Man, I feel like you could stumble across that. All you do is pause the game and press A, B, and C to kill Sonic. You commit seppuku. It does serve a function, to be fair. <laughs> like if you get stuck, which can happen in this kind of game. Yes, yeah. I mentioned already I got stuck time traveling. I also got stuck. I was just going really fast and I must have hit, you know, that magic pixel and got stuck in some geometry and yep. start a speedway and was like okay guess i'm quitting but no i should have used my instant, instant death, death technique <laughs> yeah it's more or less when you get when you find the uh sound test menu that's hidden behind the title screen uh there are lots of little codes you can put in by selecting certain tracks and they will lead you down some strange corridors <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
mean, it starts off fair enough. You get you get this like a secret special stage, which is pretty cool. Uh, except for you've got Robotnik's face, giant face in the background, glaring <laughs> it's at you. Terrifying. Which is, it's really scary. It's it's wonderful. He's got big old dead eyes too, <laughs> like a doll's eyes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, and then his eyes bleed. <laughs> uh, I remember specifically seeing the uh, the see you next game Judy Toyota version of uh, Tails. <laughs> Um, which is, man, it's adorable. What a good picture of Tails. Yeah. Oh, that is great. Nice to see Tails there in some, well, actually it's not, it's one of two appearances of Tails in the original game, I think. But, uh, this is, like, that sort of leads on to the weird little images they put in. And some of these are really nice, like that Tails one. I think I start getting a bit strange. We talked about the fastest DJ MC Sonic yeah. with, uh, with uh, Rasta Botnik there, which they Rasta did reference. They did reference making new like sprites for that in the uh, soundtrack select for the remake. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah, that is that is correct. Oh man, it's very good. I'm glad that these are credited, by the way, by the artist. These are various artists who are working on the. That uh, one in particular was uh, Kazuyuki Hoshino, the uh, character designer for Knuckles. Or actually, actually, Amy and Metal Sonic as well. Oh, cool. The um, yeah, and the aforementioned Tails was uh, yeah, Sushi <laughs> Yamaguchi who created Tails. Oh, cool. Oh, that's really cute. Um, I think we say this every time, but you know, most of our info is the the wonderfully uh, cataloged and maintained uh, Sonic Retro. <laughs> Thank you, <Yeah>. Sonic Retro. <laughs> yeah, the fastest d- DJ MC Sonic. Can I kick it? Come in, bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that really does solidify that the the Sonic being a product of the 90s was a an international thing because, yeah, Sonic has wearing a gold ring around his neck and he's got the microphone. Metal Sonic is doing a very like, uh, <laughs> you know, of the time pose, arms crossed. And yeah, like we said, Robotnik is wearing a looks like he just went to like a county fair and got a, you know. <laughs> A very, a very poorly made hat with the uh, the Jamaican flag colors in it, <laughs> and bracelets. He's doing his best. He's doing his best. <laughs> instead of uh, instead of dreadlocks, he's got a dread stash. He does. Yeah, I, yeah. D- I just noticed his mustache <laughs> is very, very blown out. <laughs> of course, we've also got, as you mentioned, the fun is infinite picture it was made by Masato Nishimura, the voice of Sonic in this game. That's uh that is a design of Sonic. Oof. Actually, I'm not sure if it actually is Sonic. It's like some. What, how do we describe this picture? And it's 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 like a it's a tiled image of it's tiles of the same image over and over. But what is it? I like you know. I, I remember when when I guess famous uh, creepypasta Sonic.exe was getting popular a couple <laughs> yeah. years ago. I was like. I don't know. That's kind of basic. It's just evil Sonic with the black eyes and the oh, he cries tears and oh, he's got scary teeth when you've got the scariest looking version of Sonic that has ever been created by humanity right here. (laughs) He's got... It's, it looks like his head is is detached from his body with a like a pencil thin neck and an old man like face almost some kind of horrible mask and he's kind of doing a sonic you know wag his one finger pose and then yes Japanese text that translates to infinite fun with Sega Enterprises <laughs> yeah. this is quite the uh, image. 
this is this could have been in a copy pasta. This could have been in like a Ben Drown situation with like the fake link yeah. statue. You know? I believe there have been multiple. Just a few okay. years late. I mean, you know, just a few years later, we would get the Tails doll, which is the first time I remember seeing like, you know, fan written like Sonic creepy stories. But I mean, yeah, this was right here. This horrible, horrible yeah. Sonic. Speaking of which, the next one isn't much better, but at least I think it's 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 funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the Sonic. I mean, what we, I was about to say it's 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 Batman. It's Sonic as Batman. It's literally <laughs> it's literally Batman. Like I think yeah. it might even be imitating a specific uh, picture of Batman. I haven't been able to source which one it's based on. I I see it. I mean, yeah. Now that I'm looking at it again, he his ears are Batman's cape and cowl. Spe- you know, specifically yeah. how it it was very long and like the animated Batman of the time. Um, it does look kind of like if an Image Comics Sonic comic came out. That oh wasn't boy, the crossover we got in Archie. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's what Sonic would look like. Sonic, this is where my parents died. <laughs> Cow <laughs> a bummer. I remember there was that test uh disc for the Sega CD where it would like show a bunch of different stuff. It had like the Sonic holding up the disc and then occasional clips of Batman Returns where it was all just like showing off what the Sega CD could do. So I don't know, maybe somebody had that on the brain and you know ended up making this. Could have been a through line. And then we get a cute little uh a cute little illustration of Sonic that's just called Anime Sonic, I think. Oh, it's our little palate cleanser. Yes, uh, thank goodness. Those eyes are very big. Those pupils, they're grey here, but I'm almost like, wait, are those a little bit green or am I just seeing them? <laughs> oh, no. Well, they're not. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And uh, I mean, speaking of, hey, going all the way back, I noticed in some of those new Sonic Origins um, animations, uh, some of the characters have the shading on their eyes is a little bit of brown. And I remember seeing that in a couple of like classic Sonic pictures. But no, this is like big shiny anime eyes and they're gray instead of any color. Because, yeah, Sonic didn't have no green eyes yet. <laughs> He's just sitting there. Oh, look at that little guy. He's taking a rest. <laughs> He's like, I've seen some horrors. I just need to chill for a second. It was also accompanied by the message, you are cool. Yeah, me. Uh, so thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, heads up, Jake. You are cool. <gasps> me? Oh, there's even more stuff you dig into. Like, there's some older uh, material from like prototypes that have come out in the past. Like, I believe Palm Tree Panic was originally supposed to be called Salad Plain, or at least that's what it was named. Like at one point, and also one of my favorite <laughs> things is uh, the signpost at the end. Special little message. Okay. <laughs> I don't get it. It just says. You say, with a big exclamation point. I, I don't know why. I don't understand. You that's say. A, that's a new one. You I did not know about that. You, well, you know what it is. It's, whenever I see it or go past it these days, I run past and I hear, You say, the price of my love is a <laughs> price you're not willing to pay. pay. Apparently, uh, apparently it's a pun on you say, Y-U-U-S-E-I, the name of the event where this build was featured. Oh. oh okay. Well. So it's not predicting the future of Hamilton. No. (laughs) Well, if any game was going to do it. (laughs) I do love some of these uh, unused sprites, particularly the one where uh, it's an unused animation of Sonic being shocked by electricity and you see his little skeleton. I'm a big proponent of that should be in all media. If a character (laughs) gets shocked by something, you should see their skeleton in a split second. So. Happened with Knuckles in S3 and K, so... Yeah, yeah see, that's what I'm talking about. 
Sorry, I'm just, I'm just, still, to this day, I'm still taken aback by the fact that Punchy Panic was nearly called Sally Plane. <laughs> it's like, that's like, that's a Super Mario World level name, right? There. Or Kerbo, really... they changed it. Oh, true. <laughs> My goodness. And instead, they went for alliteration instead of food things, I guess. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm bouncing all over the place. I did not realize the, the unused sprite of Amy is uh used in the remake she when she hugs sonic and she has hearts in her eyes i could not tell that's what that was i thought the transparency had been messed up um because you can kind of still see the whites of her eyes but no she has hearts in her eyes okay oh okay i did not realize yeah now that i know that's what that is that's interesting oh you know what jake you would have encountered amy on palm tree panic zone one i suppose because you're playing it normally, and she only appears in the present. Did I? That's true. Yeah. Wait, did you? I can't remember. <laughs> it's right before. Oh, it's right before the goal. She she uh, runs up to you and can hug you. You can also just speed right past her because she doesn't. She doesn't actually go past the goal marker. Jake's a bit too cool for that. He's a cool hedgehog <laughs> speeding by. Yeah. Gotta go fast. Gotta go well, she does do it. Ag- no time for girls. She does do it again when you rescue her. Yeah. And, uh, Meanwhile, I so desperately wanted to avoid Amy. I ran past her before she was born. don't think about it too hard (laughs) oh my gosh it was mentioned the da garden but we didn't actually really talk about it just i don't really know much about it so does somebody else want to mention it oh yeah it's it's the da garden first of all i don't know what da stands for um (laughs) but it's basically a a different sound test it's more of like a version uh uh a way to just listen to the the soundtrack by itself but it is a cool it has a illustration of the little planet and you can see like all the little zones and like the different cityscapes sticking up out of it and um uh little character sprites float by like there's a sonic um there's a is it in the original version tails flying the tornado yes i think it is yeah there there's a tails flying the tornado there's an eggman and a metal sonic and uh i think like different buttons like do different things like you zoom in and out and so it's basically like a a, <laughs> a media player visualization that yeah that's exactly you. what i was thinking yeah and you can switch you can switch the timeline on the planets uh thing so that it's past present good future bad future then there's also like a very basic visual mode you can unlock that is just like replay all the cutscenes and also a pencil test for the intro which is neat yes yeah all the, all this is to say you know there's all this weird stuff in the original release but the original release is not the way you want to play this game these days no this is one of the the titles that was blessed with a wonderful uh revamp remake in fact i think this was this was the first yeah this was the first like this is christian whitehead's uh first attempt at doing one of these and Boy, howdy, is it a good one. The remake is just so cool. Like, it is, without question, the way to play. I'm just glad that, you know, when Christian Whitehead pitched this, that Sega actually, you know, took him up on it. Because obviously that resulted in a very long and fruitful partnership that is arguably kind of coming to a head now with uh, Sonic Origins. You know, admittedly, Whitehead's not working on it directly, but that opened the door to, like, you know, bring in other fans like Simon Tomley and, you know, T. Lopez down the line. And it's just been really cool that you can, a lot of this like fan collaboration with a lot of these people can be traced back to this remake of Sonic CD. 
you know, we've we've said since the beginning, like part of part of why we wanted to do this show was to highlight like cool fan stuff. But I mean, it it really does just warm my heart to see that that relationship has been carried forward into, uh, you know, its ultimate form almost. <laughs> and it it did. It started with this this remake of Sonic CD. I just think it's neat. Um, <laughs> it's nice to have like a streamlined version of it there. But you don't have to wait quite as long between time travel segments, and you have widescreen, and widescreen is really good for Sonic yeah, games. By the way, as much as I'm a fan changer. of the classics, gives you a better because you know, just like with the difference between the Master System and the Game Gear, you get the difficulty is slightly lower when you've got you know you can see obstacles and hazards coming. Most definitely, so I, I like it, and it's nice that they do let you choose between the soundtracks. So like now we don't have to fight over them anymore. Just let people pick the one they like. There's a lot of just really cool extra things in this. Like the biggest one is probably, you know, the addition of Tails as a playable character, which makes a significant difference. Like I decided for my playthrough for this episode, I would play through the game as Tails because I don't think I've ever actually finished the game as Tails before. And yeah, no, being able to fly over wacky workbench instead of having to deal with the bouncing. Oh, man. That helps a little bit. (laughs) Yep. He's got his his full move set from Sonic Three, so you just fly over whatever you don't want to deal with. <laughs> it probably helps during um, Metallic Madness Three as well, right? Oh yeah. Oof, oh man. yeah. Oh yeah. The whole problem solved. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really cool having Tails there. I think. Yeah. But you know what the best part about it is? Now we didn't mention this before, but in Metallic Madness Act Two, there's the whole shrinking mechanic. I like uh, that. where Sonic turns into a tiny, giant-headed version of himself <laughs> to get around smaller spaces. Yep. But when you got Tails in there and he gets shrunk down into tiny little tails flying around, it's <laughs> oh, adorable. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I love all the little things. Like uh, you mentioned, it has both soundtracks, and so they went back and. Uh, you know, made sure to redo like all the cues for both soundtracks so they loop properly. Yeah, and there's even like some extended versions. Uh, I remember I got the uh, the the ending and had the U.S. soundtrack on, and they extended the the ending version of Sonic Boom a little bit to where at the very end it kind of drops out and it's just wailing on that acoustic yeah. guitar that last little bit. Ooh, it's so good. <laughs> but yeah, that was something they 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 went in to to make sure that all the music they accommodated both soundtracks perfectly and it's it's this is like yeah it is the ideal way to play sonic cd especially since there isn't it's it's difficult to play the original version uh unless you have all the thing required hardware but it didn't this hasn't got everything that christian whitehead planned for it there are a few things did uh remain on the cutting room floor which are interesting to look back on like there's apparently was a full level and like an extra boss that had to get cut. Like the level was something called Desert Dazzle, which was apparently based on a on Sand Shower Zone, a cut level from Sonic Two. And mm-hmm. you know, Christian Whitehead apparently did a lot of work on it, but Sega basically told him, "Hey, let's leave them out. We want this to be, you know, stay authentic to the original." So that one got left on the cutting room floor. But most of what he did for that ended up getting turned into Mirage Saloon Zone for Sonic Mania. So so, so worked out in the end. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, just looking at this mock-up image uh, for... Desert Dazzle, yeah. I, if I didn't know any better, I'd tell you, yeah, that's just Mirage Saloon, which is, that's awesome. And then there's the other thing, 
<laughs> which which would have been kind of cool actually, but I get why they didn't include it. Yeah. So the other thing was a final final boss battle after getting all the time stones called Final Fever, which would have involved you know fighting a big robotic mech, but also using like time travel as an element in the boss fight where like the boss would basically be invincible in the present. So you'd have to use like use your warp speed to travel back in time, destroy it at like a point where it's more vulnerable. Oh, cool. Which is, it's wild. Man, that is super cool. Also goes back to our discussion of like, yeah, the time travel is, you know, not really used to its full potential. That would have done it. <laughs> I, I, I kind of get it. That does toe the line. You know, I I am always find myself on uh, understanding both sides of the uh, preservation um, to make sure like the original versions of things are accessible for a, like a historical sense, but also like especially quality of life improvements and also you know stuff like especially stuff like cut content like um you know uh christian whitehead would go on to like fully restore hidden palace zone to hit sonic 2 stuff like that that was literally like oh yeah we wanted to put it in there but had to cut it for time or i'm like oh well then you know the original vision was unfulfilled and you know, stuff like that yeah. so that looks super cool that also would definitely go to like you know we talked about the final boss is you know he's Kind of wimpy, kind of easy. Yeah, this would have felt like a much more satisfying conclusion, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I like the potential design, too. It's a very unique, a, almost a very unique, um, like, we were talking about, you know, Sonic CDs uh, going off of Sonic 1. It's like a Sonic 1 version of the Death Egg robot from Sonic oh, 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It also kind of reminds me of the Robotnik statue in Stardust Speedway, just a bit smaller. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So, like they say that, you know, some of the ideas were recycled for Titanic Monarch and Sonic Mania, and you can definitely see it a little bit. Oh, yeah. Like, Those little flags and stuff. I can't believe I didn't pick up on that. Yes, of course. I mean, it's okay. So if, yeah, that doesn't happen, I can at least see where that work was repurposed into Mania. Yep, I see that. Neato Torpedo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all this basically to say that, you know, Sonic City is probably, like, is not my favorite of the classic saga like, I would probably rank it above Sonic 1, but below Sonic 2 and 3. But it is a very interesting little game that I'm glad is not as obscure now as it used to be. And that we have a version that is probably the best it will ever get. That is Definitely. easily accessible and playable on just about anything. And this is really important to Sonic. Um, no matter what you think about the game itself, just its contributions to the Sonic franchise cannot be understated. Even in just like Amy Rose and Metal Sonic alone. But I just feel like there's a lot, a lot of Sonic's vibe that would carry over into Mania yeah. is taken from this too. Like I know that's more of an amalgamation. But like, so I feel like some of the music and some of the general look of it, and just look at the, and we got a picture right here of Sonic doing his super peel out. How how often has that been re, like reused and repurposed for yes. Sonic images over yeah. the years? It's just cool. Yeah, we- so much cool stuff. It, like this game, it, it's creative and cool. It may not be the world's best game, but it's a fun experience. Um, if you don't spend too much time in the special stages or Metallic Madness, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I, we talked about it when we we talked about the movie itself. But I mean, uh, 
like the the look and feel, the attitude, the the way the characters move in the OVA is definitely from Sonic CD. The the animation mm-hmm. and the you know like we said, Metal Sonic. It's it's very cool. Yeah, I guess like the the biggest thing you can say about Sonic CD is like the heaviest lifting it did was for actually like fleshing out the character of Sonic, both like as a character and also some of his game mechanics. Definitely some in terms of his like physical, like how he performs physically, I guess, like those animations and themselves definitely gave us a great idea for how Sonic should move in motion outside of the games. As always, a very special thanks to uh, Amy Waters for the use of our theme song. It's from the album Gotta Go Slow, uh, which you should definitely check out in its entirety. And you can find more of her work on YouTube and Bandcamp and other socials. Um, but until then, I've been Game Buddy. You can find me on Twitter at Great Job Jeremy. That's G-R and the number eight. I've been Rock the Jake. You can find me on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Rock the Jake. I've been Falero. You can find me at F-A-U-L-E-R-R-O on various socials across the internet. And I've been Cyberlink. You can find me on Twitter at Cyberlink420. Well, I think that about wraps up this episode. We've um, uh, had a fun time revisiting Sonic CD. I think for uh, our next episode, we kind of already spoiled it, but we're going to stay on this subject and we're going to do a deep dive. Uh, I think we decided to call it a listening party of both of the unique soundtracks of Sonic CD. The... uh, the Japanese uh, European release and the US release, um, because I, I I think I said earlier, I've been listening to them uh, while playing the game by themselves. Um, I even tried to break out my original copy of Sonic CD to rip those tracks and uh, listen to a couple <laughs> of them like, you know, as lossless as possible. <laughs> and uh, they're both really fun. And I'm really looking forward to like, you know, listening to them and discussing like in depth, like each track. Yeah, uh, think that'll be yeah. a lot of fun it's going to be a comparison but also kind of a war <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be a bit of a culture war uh, as the one who grew up with the uh Japanese i think war. it's going to result in an interesting split personally yes yeah like not to you know not to give away my discussion topics but i'm kind of at a place where I had the U.S. soundtrack on my game, but also not too long after that, I got access to the internet and was able to hear, like, bits of the Japanese soundtrack. Also in, like, other media, like the, uh, we mentioned, um, not too long ago, the the Man of the Year Sonic animation uses some, um, uh, Sonic CD music mixed in there. And so I... I'm I'm ready to like revisit and kind of lay out um, my my preferences. So I, I definitely look forward to that. All right. Well, we're gonna grab a magic signpost and dash off to the future. So until then, I'm Cyberlink. I'm Rock the Jake. I'm Falero. And I'm Game Buddy. And this has been the Hill is Always Greener. And yippee kaye, pastel colored resistance. <laughs> uh, see y'all next time. In the future. <laughs> oh, do we have to? <laughs>